Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Good evening and welcome to the Joe Beam Show. Tonight we're going to be talking about something a little differently than what we normally do. This is a program about relationships, primarily about marriage relationships. And often what we do is we try to help people understand how to save their marriages. People call us and ask us all kinds of questions, such as my husband or my wife is having an affair. What do I do? Or my spouse is into this or into that. I'm, I don't know if I can last any longer. And we get all kinds of questions about that. Everything that you can possibly imagine. And our 501c3 nonprofit organization does exist to help people figure out how to save their marriages. We even do a three-day intensive workshop for marriages in crisis. We do them at least once a month and lately been doing them twice a month. And we do that to help people solve their problems and put their marriages back together, not just to stay married, but to actually make the marriages good. And so I want you to understand at the very outset that that's why we exist. We want to help people save their marriages, no matter what their problems. But we know that that is not always going to happen. And so tonight, I want to be talking about when to let go of a marriage. And we'll be talking about that, not to give you absolute answers, but to give you principles to consider. I realize that when people are in marriage crises, just like in other kinds of crises in life, often they just get confused emotionally. They get distraught. They hear this from one person. They hear that from another person. And quite often they're saying, I don't know exactly what I should do. As a matter of fact, I don't know anything that I should do right now. Please somebody tell me what to do. I would love to be the person to tell you what to do, except for one thing. I don't have to live with the consequences of your decisions. Therefore, it is not my right to tell you what to do, nor is it the right of anyone else to tell you what to do. We often say, listen now, we'll teach you the principles, and from those principles you can make good and wise decisions, but don't let anybody make your decision for you. Not me, not some counselor or therapist that you're going to, not your parents, not your siblings, not your friends, not your pastor. Nobody should have the right to tell you what to do, because... You see, they can have all kinds of ideas about you should do this and you should do that. But when it comes right down to it, they are not the ones that are going to be living with the consequences. You are the one who will live with the consequences. Therefore, it must be your decision. We hear of a lot of really good marriage counselors out there. And I'm telling you right now, if you find a good therapist or counselor, whether they're helping you with the marriage or just helping you with other things in life, if they are good, they are worth their weight in gold. At the same time, we hear so many horror stories about counselors and therapists, sometimes claiming to be marriage counselors, sometimes claiming to be Christian marriage counselors, who tell people, well, what I think should happen is you guys should just divorce or separate, split up. I don't think you should stay together anymore. And we often have people come to our workshop for marriages in crisis who say, well, everybody's given up, uh, given up on us, including the counselor who said we should just divorce, but it didn't feel like the right thing to do, and so here we are trying one last thing. Your counselor or therapist does not have the right to tell you what to do. Nobody does. And I've said it before. I'll say it one more time before I move on from this. 
You are the one who will live with the consequences of your decision. Therefore, it must be your decision. And so no matter how distraught you are, if you ask me, Joe, tell me what to do, all I'm going to do is teach you principles. I'll educate you. I'll help you think things through as best I can. But ultimately, it's going to be your decision because you live with the consequences, not I. Now, as we start this particular program about when to let go of a marriage, I want to make sure you hear two principles up front that will permeate everything else we talk about this evening. So let me make sure I make them very clear at the outset so that later, if you listen to something else I say in the program and go, wait a minute, I I don't know if I understand what you're talking about. Remember that these two principles permeate. The first is this. What does your own personal belief and value system tell you to do. Now, I realize that we work with people who are of various religions. We have a lot of Christians who work with us. We have Muslims we have helped. We've had people of other religions. We've had people who are agnostics and people who are atheists. When it comes to helping people with marriages, we don't make a criteria that you have to have the same religion that we do. Now, personally, I am a Christian. I don't hide that fact. And even among Christendom, we find that there are a lot of different beliefs and ideas about what the scriptures say you should do about this and that. Now, I'm not trying to say that I don't believe that the Bible is unclear. I do believe that people can take various passages and look at them in various ways and come up with various conclusions. I'm not going to take responsibility for telling you what to believe about that either. If you want to know my theological beliefs, you can ask the questions, and I'll tell you what I understand the scriptures to say. be happy to do that. But my purpose tonight is not to try to put my belief and value system onto you. It's to say that whatever your belief and value system is, is what you should operate by. Because if you wind up feeling guilty later about a decision that you make, I don't want it to be because you feel like I told you to do something. Again, as I said, your decision. Make sure that your decisions are within the framework of your own personal belief and value system so that later... You don't look back and think, oh, my goodness, somebody taught me to do something I thought was wrong. You don't want to feel guilty about your decisions later. Now, the second is this, and I guess I'm going to be a little contradictory to what I just said because I am going to refer to Scripture here. Whatever you do, make sure it's what's going to give you peace in your own heart. Now, let me explain that. I understand there are a lot of people who say, well, if you're just looking for peace in your own heart, then you're saying just do whatever makes you happy no matter what you think is right. And please don't hear me say that. I'm not talking about doing what makes you happy, despite what you say is right. As a matter of fact, that's not even in the concept I'm talking about here. I'm talking about peace, true inner peace. Now I'm going to share something from my perspective of Christianity based on the passages as I understand it. You can accept or reject my theological point here, but I hope you at least hear what I'm talking about, about having true peace in your heart about what you decide to do. As a Christian, when I read the 12th chapter of the book of Romans, and it talks about being a living sacrifice, it says to know what God's will is, his good, pleasing will. It says that you can test and approve. That's the NIV translation. I am not a Greek scholar, but if you go back to the Koine Greek, from which Romans 12 was interpreted or translated, I should say, that's a word that, that's a phrase that means try it on to see if it fits. Basically, my understanding of the passage is this. It says that if you really want to know what God's will is for you, obviously you first go by what you believe is the will of God. You don't look at scripture or whatever else, whatever you understand the holy word to be, and just transgress that and think that's going to give me peace. We're not talking about that. 
you surrender yourself to God. If you believe in God, if you're a Christian, you surrender yourself to God. And if you're doing what is right, but not necessarily what is wise, then I don't think you're going to find any peace. If you've surrendered yourself to God and you do that, you're not going to find the peace. It's not going to be in your heart. But if you surrender yourself to God and you're trying to do right and, the, and you take a course of action and deep within yourself, you feel peace. I think that's a very strong indication that you're doing the right thing. You're testing and approving. You're trying on to see if it fits to know what the will of God is. And again, if you're a Christian, you'll probably ignore what I just said. But understand this peace in your heart. What that means is that you look within you and believe, hey, this is good and it's right. And it's the wisest decision I can make in this circumstance. And because I believe it's right, based on my belief in value system, and because I believe it's the wisest decision to make in this circumstances, in this circumstance, that's why I can feel that deep peace within. And so let me reiterate those two principles very quickly because they will be intermingled in everything we talk about tonight. Any decision you make about a marriage, whether to stay in it or leave it, make sure that whatever decision you make is consistent with your own belief and value system. Don't contradict that. And secondly, that you feel that the decision you make is not only right based on your belief and value system, but is the wisest decision you can make, and therefore, within you, you feel a deep sense of peace. I have a friend that actually um, was the chief executive officer of a very large company. Millions and millions upon dollars of dollars done in that company, and I once asked him how he made decisions for that company, and he actually used the same principle. He said, I first make sure that I'm doing what I believe is right, but then when I'm trying to decide is this the wisest course of action, what I do is I keep thinking until finally I feel deep peace within. And when I feel deep peace within, I know this is the wisest decision I can make at this time. And therefore, I will go with it. Whatever the consequences, I'll still believe it was the wisest decision I could make at this time in these circumstances. All right. Now, based on those, let's talk about some specifics about marriage then, about when to let go of a marriage. So let's say you're having some major problems and you are still married to each other. Now, it may be that your spouse is still married to you, but living someplace else. It could be that he or she is living alone or he or she may be living with parents or friends. We often hear that sometimes in the situations we deal with, which includes a lot of infidelity, that sometimes your spouse is still married to you, but is living with another man or another woman, a person with whom they are emotionally and almost always uh, sexually involved. But if they have not yet filed, in other words, you're still married to each other and you're trying to decide, okay, am I a fool to keep standing? Because my friends tell me, just go ahead and divorce him or divorce her. I mean, look what's happening. Why in the world are you staying in this? And you're thinking, but I'm not ready. I'm not sure if I should or not. I mean, I love this person, this person that I'm married to, even though he or she is doing this thing that I believe is so terribly wrong, I still love him or her. And if you have children, you might be thinking, and our children really want dad or mom to come home and for us to work these things out. Should I stand? Should I stay in this? Well, here's a couple of questions I ask you to ask yourself about whether you should file for the divorce. One would be, is it safe? for you to continue to stand for your marriage. In other words, 
you're still married to this person, he or she has not filed for the divorce, and you haven't either. You're standing, hoping that things work out, that he or she comes home. But the question becomes, did you hear me? The question is, is it safe for you to stand? You say, what do you mean, Joe, by being safe? Well, physically safe, obviously. I mean, if this person has threatened or actually acted to bring physical violence to you, then I strongly urge you to do whatever you need to do to get safe. If that means filing for a legal separation, which is not available in every state, but is available in some, then you do that. If, if it means filing for divorce, then I suggest you consider the possibility of doing that. Obviously, again, the two principles I've mentioned, based on what your belief and value system says and what gives you peace in your heart. But you have to be safe. And if you have children, then it must be safe for them as well. Now, physically, that's pretty clear. I talked about that already. But what about emotionally safe? For example, what if your spouse is living with someone else and, and it's being seen all around town with that other person and your friends are telling you, I saw them the other day over here at this ball game. I saw them the other day over here at this restaurant. And your spouse is being mean and cruel to you so that in the brief conversations you have, assuming you have some, for example, you may be having conversations with each other if you have children or if you have other legalities that you deal with together, such as bills or jointly owned property or something, process of having those conversations, you find that this person is being vicious to you. I mean, saying things that are detrimental to you. Somewhere along the line, you need, in my opinion, and again, I'm teaching, not telling you what to do. You have to make your own decision that you look within yourself and ask yourself the question, is this destroying me emotionally? And if it is destroying you emotionally because you're standing for your marriage, hoping that he or she will come back in this, this limbo land of still being married, but your spouse doing this other thing, living someplace else, or potentially even still living in the same home with you, if it is emotionally destroying you, then I would suggest that you consider that you may need to do whatever it takes legally to stop that. And if that means separation legally, or if that means divorce, then you consider that because you need to create physical and emotional safety for you and for your children or anybody else who is right there immediately involved. And if you don't have that safety, if you continue to let your spouse do what he or she is doing, think about it this way. I know what it's doing to me emotionally, that my spouse is doing what he or she is doing, the things they're saying, the ways they're acting, all those kinds of things. And it's destroying me, yet I feel like I should still stand. My question is, should you? Or should you say, okay, it's time to become safe. I can't let this behavior go on any longer, which means I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to have to see an attorney and make some kind of an action. Now, if that is what you decide to do, understand this. The fact that you divorced does not necessarily mean the end of the marriage. I'm going to be talking about that in just a couple of minutes, if you'll let me get that far. But the fact that you divorce does not necessarily mean the end of the marriage. We're talking about now that you do what it takes to make you emotionally and physically safe. Don't allow yourself to be destroyed. The same if there are children in your home, the same for them. If the other people intricately involved, the same for them. That you do what it takes to stop destructive behavior toward you or your children. Now, there's a flip side of that, and that's this. 
If you continue to live without doing something legal, such as filing for legal separation, if that's available in your state, or filing for divorce, and by not doing that, and your spouse hasn't either, as he or she is living this lifestyle that's destroying him or her, the question becomes, are you actually helping him destroy himself or her destroy herself? Are you enabling bad behavior? You say, what do you mean? I mean, if they're not living in my home, and it could potentially be if they are living in your home, of course, but if they're not living in my home, then, then I'm not enabling their behavior. Well, think about it. If the fact that he or she doesn't have to face legalities of divorce, which is going to be expensive, which is going to divide assets, which means that not as much money is going to be available to your spouse if he or she is making a paycheck, that several of the things are going to occur in addition to having to pay legal fees and losing some of the assets, not having the same income they have now, would that be a way that would help stop, or if not stop, at least hinder the destructive behavior that they're doing for themselves. And if by letting things continue and him or her doing what they're doing, you're enabling the bad behavior so that he or she continues to destroy themselves, then perhaps you should seriously consider that it's time to take some kind of legal action. Again, based on your own belief and value system and based on whether that decision gives you peace deep in your heart. Now, as I say that, I want to make sure that I'm not implying something, or at least that you're inferring that I'm implying something. I want to make it clear. Never file for divorce to try to make your spouse come back. What I mean by that is if you decide that you've got to do something legal, whether that's going to be a legal separation or a legal divorce, if you decide that you've got to do something and the legalities to force this thing to end as it is now, don't think that by doing that, you're going to make him or her come to their senses and come running home and all of a sudden want to make the marriage better. Is it possible that that could happen? Yes. I've seen it. I've witnessed it on many occasions. Sometimes it does. But that's way too big a risk if that's your motivation. So I suggest that you don't file for divorce in an effort to try to get your spouse to do what you want your spouse to do. If you're going to file for divorce, you've got to accept the fact that it may well go through and that that may be the end of this marriage. Now, again, in a few minutes, we're going to talk about the fact that after divorce, there's some possibility of putting the marriage back together. But you can't think that way. You can't think I'm going to divorce you so that we can marry each other again. If you're going to file for divorce, if you're going to make that choice, do it because it's going to either make it safe emotionally and physically for you and or your children, or because of the fact that it's going to stop you from being an enabler to the destructive behavior that your spouse is doing for himself or herself. You say, really? Is it just that simple? Well, there's some other things you can definitely consider without a doubt. But these are really key principles here if the other person hasn't filed for divorce. Now, if you're saying, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. What if my spouse is filing for divorce? Should I fight it? Of course, it always is your decision, as we say about everything else. If your spouse is in a deeply emotional connection with another person and is filing for divorce to leave you so that he or she can marry that other person, can there be value in your fighting the divorce? And the answer is yes, there can. And if you're saying why, well, we call that a state of limerence, L-I-M-E-R-E-N-C-E. And limerence always has a shelf life. 
Now, the shelf life will vary based on situations. Statistically, it's going to last somewhere between three months and 36 months. So most of them are over by the end of the third year. Therefore, dragging out a divorce, in other words, not just immediately conceding and allowing it to happen, can be to your benefit if you want to save the marriage because of the fact that a possibility exists then that this person uh, that your spouse is involved with, actually that romantic relationship may end. On the other hand, and you've got to balance this out, if you do drag it out, you're going to cost yourself more financially because the legalities are going to take longer. The battle is going to be tougher and harder. So is it to your potential advantage to drag it out? The answer is yes. May it also just make things more miserable? The answer is yes. If you decide that you're going to get an attorney to protect you because of your spouse's behavior or because of the fact that your spouse is filing for divorce, you know, when I said the first part, because of your spouse's behavior, what I mean by that is that, okay, I don't think this is safe for me financially or physically or emotionally anymore or for my children. I'm going to have to do something or I'm, not, I'm done. I'm not going to enable what my spouse is doing any longer because my enabling is allowing him or her to do even worse things than they should be doing or could be doing if we went ahead and dealt with this financially through the legalities. If, if you decide to do that, if you decide to use an attorney, if you decide to go for the divorce or the legal separation, here's a couple of suggestions for that. Attorneys in these situations obviously should be good thinkers so they can protect you in terms of finances and property and all those kinds of things. But at the same time, attorneys are gladiators. What I mean by that is they fight the battle for you. And we recommend, I should, um, I'm going to say I recommend, not blaming anybody but me, I recommend that if you're going to be using an attorney, that you choose one that's tough, really tough, and that you tell your attorney, I don't want to take vengeance on my spouse at all, but I do want to make this as tough on him or her as possible. Why? So that he or she will realize the full consequences of the decisions being made and, and where he or she is headed. And so I want you to make it tough on him or her financially. I want to make it tough on her, him or her when it comes to everything in this but not for vengeance, because if I do it for vengeance, it's going to do bad things inside of me. I don't want vengeance. I just want to hope to bring my spouse to his or her senses, if at all possible, in the process. So while I realize this may actually lead to a divorce and we might wind up apart, I'm saying be tough. Now, when you do that, think 10, 10, 10. What that means is what are the consequences going to be in 10 days, 10 months, and 10 years? The short-term response from your spouse, if you stand tough and have your attorney fight these battles in tough ways, the short-term response from your spouse is going to be bad. He or she's going to get angry. They're going to make all kinds of threats. They're going to tell you they're going to take all the money away from you. They're going to take your children away from you. They're going to threaten any everything they can. And through that blustering, what they're hoping for is that you back off and let them get whatever they want to get and do whatever they want to do, particularly if they're the ones, if they're the ones who's filing if, if he or she's filing for the divorce, they really have it all figured out. I'm going to get this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be happy ever after. And throwing monkey wrenches into those things really ticks them off. And so the short-term response, if you do that, is going to be pretty negative. It's going to be very bad. That's why we say think 10, 10, 10, not just how he or she's going to feel in 10 days, but further down the road, like in 10 months or 10 years, if you're saying, what do you mean, Joe? 
Back in the mid-1980s, I divorced my wife. I was leaving her. I was angry with her. I had fallen, quote, madly in love, end quote, with someone else. And I wanted everything just my way so I could do all the things I wanted to do. Alice stood strong. What I mean by that is she didn't let me have my way. Did I get angry? Yes. Did I try to manipulate her? Yes. Did I yell and scream and threaten? Yes. But she stood strong. Did it make me mad? Yes. Did it make me vilify her even more and think worse things about her? Yes. But in the long run, it gave me a new respect for Alice. I saw her stronger than I'd ever seen before. Now, the short term, and I'm not talking about just 10 days, even 10 months, I was still really angry with her. But we actually remarried each other three years after our divorce. And a great deal of what happened to lead to that was my newfound respect for Alice because of how strong she had been, how she didn't let me run over her, how she showed me she had a backbone. She was never mean. She was never vicious. She was never cruel. Can't say that about her attorney. And so what I recommend is if you have to do this and use the attorney, what you do is you tell your spouse when they come back and yelling and screaming and how dare you, you're just money hungry. I knew you were evil. All these terrible things are going to say about you. Just look at them very calmly and mildly and say, I'm not the one who wants the divorce. I'd love to put our marriage back together. As a matter of fact, if you want to go get the right kind of help, I'm ready now. You're the one insisting on a divorce. And as long as you do, then my attorney's going to guide me and I'm going to do whatever he or she says I should do. Now, obviously, if you're the one filing for divorce, you have to modify that sum by still saying, I'm not the one who wants the divorce. I'm filing because of the fact that you've given me no choice by the way you're treating me or the children or because of the destructive things you're doing to yourself. I'd still love to fix this. And if you get the right kind of help, we can put this thing on hold and fix it. But until you absolutely commit to doing the things we need to do to make this marriage good again, I'm going to do what my attorney says I should do. Now, always be kind and sweet and gentle. Let your attorney do the fighting. Try not to react to the angry voices, the angry words, the threats, the, the idiocy I did toward Alice and your spouse may do toward you. You stay strong. You stay calm. You stay gentle. You be the one who is strong and not reacting to all of that. And that creates the possibility that down the road, you can still put your marriage back together. Now, it does not guarantee it. If you divorce, spouse divorces you, you have to accept the fact that that may well be the end of your marriage. That means that you, at some point, when you finally have the peace in your heart to say, okay, I'm, I'm giving up. I'm not going to go any further. And why are you doing that? Well, because it's destroying me emotionally or my children emotionally. Can't live like that anymore. Or because my spouse's bad behavior is getting worse and worse, and I can't put up with that anymore. Therefore, we're divorced, and I'm choosing to move on with my life, and I have peace with that. Not because I wanted the divorce, but because my spouse just wouldn't stop that bad behavior. Then you do move on with your life. If you do that, we hope that you do it with still an open heart, so that if your spouse at some point comes to his or her senses and comes back to you, and says, would you consider the possibility of reconciliation that, that you will? Of course, it will be your decision. And if you do, we beg you to get the right kind of help to make sure that you really fix all the problems when you put it back together. Now, if you do that, we're still back to the same two things. 
make sure you're doing whatever you do and that is consistent, everything you do, make sure it's consistent with your own personal belief and value system and that it gives you a deep peace within your heart. Okay, we have a bunch of callers out here lined up. Let's go ahead and see what you guys are thinking about this. We are now speaking to area code 904. Hello, 904. You're on the Joe Beam Show. Uh, hi, Joe. Hello. Can I get a first name, please? I've actually talked to you before. Uh, my name's Kyle. Hi, Kyle. How can I help you tonight? Um, <laughs> so... Uh, the topic is very interesting because I'm kind of deciding on what to do. Um, to kind of give you a summary, last time we talked, I had listened to a, um, a podcast of yours and realized how controlling I had been. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I immediately um, tried to, um, you know, I guess try to grasp all that and continue to make changes with my counselor and, and um, all that. Uh, in the meantime, um, during all that, my wife had started seeing a, another person, and mm-hmm. when we had last talked, she was bringing this person to our home. Um, I did what you suggested, which was to let her know that I did not like that, um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, then I thought, and I, you know, that I did not appreciate what she was doing, and um, I asked her to please stop, and. Mm-hmm. Um, when I did that, the next day I got a threatening phone call from him, um, you know, verbally threatening me. Um, and at the time, I was uh, at my parents' house, which is where I've been staying. And um, she she, uh, she gave gave him my new phone number, and he verbally threatened me. And then he turned around and verbally threatened my father, who picked up the phone the second time around and told him he was gonna, you know, beat his butt and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. so I called the cops and the cops told me they could do nothing. And, mm-hmm. you know, since it's a verbal threat, it was not really anything specific or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, long story short, I told her, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't appreciate this. I would like you to please honor me in this. You know, um, this is our home. This is our bedroom. Um, mm-hmm. You know, those kind of things. Um she chose to find a different way out of that. And when I told her that, um, you know, if you really want a divorce, realize that everything you own, you know, we're splitting it down the middle. Same thing with my stuff. And she somehow twisted the words that I said to her through black and white in text messages and said to her mother that he is going to take all of my stuff and sell it to pay for his lawyer. <laughs> That's not yeah. at all what I said. Right. But uh, that's what she told mother and mother, the protective, controlling, codependent, manipulative woman she is, immediately got her to, um, you know, be convinced that, you know, I was, you know, I, I was not going to have control over her or whatever. And long story short, overnight, they moved out of the house and uh, took the kids mm-hmm. and, uh now they are currently living at her mother's where her mother is trying to intercede for every communication we have and which I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not willing to allow that to happen. I continue right. to try to Do you have an attorney? One on one. Kyle, do you have an attorney? I did speak to one several times, yeah. I've gotten some ridiculous quotes. <laughs> yeah, divorce can be pretty tough, but when it comes to your children, are you getting access to your children where you you can be with them? 
I can be with them. I mean, my wife is going to basically portray me as this person who abandoned them and refused to do anything for them. You know, right. my attorney has advised me that there's no rule that says you have to provide 50-50 or anything like that while you're married, so she can't use that argument. Um, she right. The truth is you didn't abandon your wife. She asked you to she asked you to leave, and you valued her request. Okay, so and what do you intend to do about all this? <laughs> That's why I called, Joe. Um, you know, here I am kind of working on my pies, as you call them, which I still don't even know what the heck that stands for. I just know it means work on me. Um, okay. And uh, I, um, you know, I um, I don't really know. Um, you know, I've got counselors, you know, very you know, the Bible says that, you know, you know, the, the multitude of counselors is, is good, you know, and so I got that, um, and most of my counsel has been telling me that, you know, on one side, they say, just give her, you know, just give her space, just give her space. I'm like, well, I've been giving her space for five months, and yeah. it hasn't really gotten anywhere. Um, okay, fact, so the question, the question I have is this, you have access to your children, your wife's not wanting to have much interaction with you right now at all. That's what I'm understanding, right? So is she doing anything that's destructive behavior either for her or for your children? Um, I told her yesterday, and I meant this when I said it, I said, you know, it scares me, you being around the kids. And she said that was so hurtful. And she's like, you're you're making me cry right now through text message, you know. I don't know if she was really crying. Okay, scares you that your wife is around the kids? Yeah, because she's so erratic. I mean, she I don't know what to expect from my wife next. You okay. Know? Do you think your she's kids been, are in jeopardy me. or danger? That's my question. Are your kids in jeopardy or danger with her? I want to say no, but some parts of me wonder sometimes. I mean, I, I put it this way, Joe. I really do love my wife, and I think she has, deep down, still a connection to God, despite what she's doing. And I think that she wars against that, you know, against the flesh every day. But unfortunately, lately, the flesh wins over and over and over again. And her putting them around this other kid, this guy that she's seeing, does terrify me. I do not like that at all. Well, I understand that. But I don't hear you saying that. I mean, I understand you don't like it. And obviously what the guy did was idiotic. And I understand that your wife is having some uh, volatile emotions at the time, at this moment, which would not be unusual. But I'm not hearing you say that your kids are actually in jeopardy. I understand you're not comfortable. No, I don't. I don't on. think she would. I don't think she would hurt them or anything like that. Having said okay. that, she's been pretty belligerent at times. Right. What I'm asking you is: Is there any reason for you to go ahead and file for divorce for the sake of your own physical, emotional? safety or your children's physical or emotionally safety emotional safety well my lawyer asked the same question and i told her that um until i really felt god leading me that way that i was not going to do that that i you know i trusted that he could take care of those kids better than i could right now and or, or her for that matter so obviously then you wouldn't have peace with doing that now if you're not going to have peace with ending it and i'm i understand it i that makes sense to me i buy into that then the only other option you're going to have, it would appear to me, is if you're not going to do something legal right now, then what you're going to try to do is to be as much of a safe place 
in the conversations that you have with each other that you possibly can. What I mean by that is this. Obviously, if you think she really is dangerous for the kids, you should bring that up. But on the other hand, what you just told me is that you told her, you told her in a text message to the point that it made her cry. You thought she was not safe for the children. And, but, but as we talk, you're saying, well, yeah, but so based on your erratic behavior, right. I said it scares me what you might do next. Right. And but at the same time, you just told me that you didn't think that she's really going to be dangerous for the kids. So what I'm saying what is, I say did, well, how did you how okay, would I you say, expect her to react to what you said? I mean, other than what she did, I'm crying that hurt. How would you what other response would you have expected from that? No, I, I mean, I honestly, I didn't expect a response. I didn't tell her. So here's where I've moved from. Used to, I would tiptoe around my wife, pleasing her. That's why I would, you know, deceive. That's why I would, you know, control whatever I could do to try to make her happy. She was my God, so to speak. I hate to admit it, but she was. And, you know, the idolatry of that. Well, I've moved past that after God's revealed that to me. And now I realize that I can't just worry about pleasing my wife all the time. That instead I have to see the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is, where is my wife cycle that you're talking about? Where are my right. kids? Where, you know, what is it going to look like in 10, 10, and 10, like you said? Okay, but, um, but I, I don't think I'm getting my question across, which is, what sorry. did you expect to accomplish that was good by telling her that you were afraid for your kids because of her erratic behavior? I guess I just wanted her to wake up and realize how crazy she's been acting. Right. And if she's working off emotions, do you think she's going to respond to logic? No. Yeah. So when we talk about being a safe place, we're not saying that you tolerate behavior that's unacceptable. That We don't mean that whatsoever. By a safe place, we mean you make it safe enough for the other person to feel that they can open up emotionally to you. That Obviously, that's not going to happen immediately because of the situation that you're in. But hopefully, as you have conversations about the kids or whatever else, that in those courses of conversation, if she feels, wait a minute, he's really listening. He's not judging me. He's not attacking me. He's not, or to use what you talked about earlier, he's not controlling me. He's truly, honestly, genuinely listening to me and trying to understand what I feel and think. That is what we talk about when we mean a safe place, that that you don't tolerate anything that's bad, but that you make it comfortable for the other person to be able to open up to you and not to feel defensive with you. And so while I understand why you sent that text, I certainly do. I'm saying if, if you're going, if obviously it's not, I say, obviously, let me take that back. Based on what you said, it's not time to do anything legal yet. And, and I think that makes a lot of sense. So if you're not going to do that, if you're going to try to stand for your marriage, if you're going to try to get her back, it's going to be by making it where she feels emotionally safe with you. And right now, logic's not going to win the day. Or it's going to win the day, if anything, is the fact that she starts seeing that in you and going, wow, I remember the good things. I remember the things I love about this guy. I, I, I feel safe around him again. And that won't happen overnight. It'll take a little while to do. But it will not happen if she feels she's having to defend herself from you. Now, again, at any point you think that the children are not safe, then you obviously got to do something about that. But in, based on what I'm uh, hearing you say, it would appear to me, of course, you make your own decision, but it appears to me that if you're going to have a shot at this, it's going to be by 
making it where she feels emotionally safe to communicate with you. Uh, I would agree with you. She asked me last night, you know, why was I for, you know, why was I, she still maintains that she served me papers, even though I haven't received anything and I've checked all counties and we still don't have any records. And, you know, she, she asked me, she goes, why won't you just sign? And her mother texted my parents and said, you can either make this a messy divorce or we can make this easy. If you want to make it messy and expensive, go get an attorney. And I, I said that to her and I was like, Jesse, I said, I don't, you know, I don't want a divorce. I was like, no. you know, and she was like, why are you fighting me on this? And I said, she goes, why would I, why would I want to be with you ever again? If you're going to continue to fight me and control me like this. And I'm like, I'm not fighting to control you. I said, the bigger picture is that I care more about your heart than I care about your feelings right now. I was like, I said, and, and I may upset you by fighting uh-huh. and, and saying, you know, that I'm not going to sign. I said, but the truth is, is that if you're unwilling to talk right now, I said, with a pastor mm-hmm. who's willing to meet with us, I said, about your hurt heart and the things that we're doing and where Christ is in this picture, I said, then we're going to go through mediation and up to six months of marriage counseling. And she was like, you right. really think I would ever back with you after you forced me to go to counseling? So, okay. you know. All right. What, that's, I understand. That's my next I, option. I, well, I hear what you're saying. I, I hope that you can go to our website, marriagehelper.com, and read some of the articles about being a safe place, because it sure sounds like right now, and, and I think you should stay strong. I'm not implying that you don't be strong. I'm, I'm not implying that if she files it, you just automatically sign. I'm not saying that you don't fight for your marriage. I'm just trying to say that you're not going to win it by logic, and you're not going to win it by argument. If you're going to win her back at all, it's going to be through making it safe for her emotions. That's what I'm saying. I got a is bunch of other course, callers here. Um, does your course hmm? have a lot to do with a uh, safe place? Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, if you if you haven't gotten it yet, you might want to look into Marriage Helper. Uh, that's Marriage Help Er MarriageHelper dot com slash Save My Marriage. All one long word. You might want to look at mm-hmm. that because that's a ten week thing that can tell you how to do that more than I can tell you right now, especially with a bunch of calls waiting out there. Okay. Well, thank you, Joe. All right, thank you. Okay, now we're going to go to area code 778. Hello, 778. You're on the Joe Beam Show. Oh, hi, Joe. This is Tracy. How are you tonight? (laughs) I'm okay. So I wanted to – actually, I had a couple of questions for you. So my husband had an affair that he ended about six months ago when I found out about it. So he's actually never left. But it has been six months of emotional since since the affair. It has not been good, and mm-hmm. he's I don't know. It's almost like some kind of a midlife crisis. You know, he's been drinking. I found out that he's been into porn for our whole marriage. He's bought a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. He's just gone a little bit uh, haywire. We have mm-hmm. we have two kids, um, eight year old mm-hmm. twins. So I have, I'm in your course and we've been seeing someone and I've been, you know, trying to be the safe place, but you know, every once in a while I lose it and then mm-hmm. we kind of all go sideways again and stuff. But right. I think it was two, two nights ago and he's very unopen. I never know what's going on with him. It was about two nights ago when on his phone, I saw that he had been to the classifieds and he had looked up some process. Oh and, uh, and, and I said to him, you know what? I said, that's it. I said, I have had enough. Mm-hmm. And um, 
But I'm actually kind of concerned with our kids. Like I said, you know, is he safe for us as kids? He's been drinking heavily. He's not a violent drunk at all. He's not a mean drunk. He's just a drunk. I'm actually mm-hmm. almost afraid to separate because then he actually has access to the kids when I'm not around, and that concerns me. But anyways, the thing is, is that when I told him this, I've had enough. I'm done. We've got to look at separating. I just, until you can fix these behaviors, I can't do it. He, you know, did immediate switch around. No, we can't do that for the kids. This was just two nights ago. He has been super dad. He hasn't been drinking. He's been, uh-huh. you know, trying to do everything that he can. And he finally opened up to me a bit. And what he told me was, is that he was in limerence. He's the one that actually told me about limerence. He had done some research on it. And he uh-huh. said, you know, he got through that. He said now he's in this stage where he is so angry at this woman and that yeah. you know, that's where the drinking was coming from and that is where the porn, he said he gets this anger and he looks at the, at the porn and it, it kind of relaxes him and he, and he said and he just goes over and over and, he, and I think he's depressed. But he's not doing anything about it. I mean, I kind of understand now where he's coming from. But So one of my right. questions for you is, like I've heard you talk a lot about limerence, but I haven't heard where there's this angry stage, you know, and it's like, oh, does yeah. that mean he's actually finally getting through this and he is going to come back to us? Or If he way? really is angry, yes. What happens here is that on the end stages of limerence, okay, as it's wearing off, the halo effect goes away. The halo effect exists during the limerence so that you don't see any flaws in the other person at all. And if you do have to see them, you minimize them like, oh, yeah, that's not that big a deal. But when limerence starts wearing off, you actually start seeing the flaws in the other person and everybody's flawed. Not only that, you also start realizing what it's cost you right? in terms of relationships like with your kids, in terms of money, in terms of job, in terms of respect, marriage, all kinds of things. And if he really is angry with her, then that's a really good sign because that comes at the end of limerence. Now, if he's dealing with that by drinking and porn and that kind of stuff, has he, has he ever been part of any 12-step program like Celebration Recovery or Alcoholics Anonymous or anything like that? No, and he he would argue that he's not an alcoholic, you know, uh-huh. he would say, right. and that's the other thing, and he said, you know, and I'm not a mean drunk, and, you know, and if I ask him to cut down on drinking, he'll cut down, and he actually, when he was working with one psychologist, stopped drinking completely for one month, and, you know, so he, right. he would argue that he isn't, but I told him, no, it's a problem, it it changes your behavior, and you're, it's definitely a problem, I don't know. Okay, let me uh, suggest something for you. Go online okay. and use Google or something and look for a thing called CAGE, that's C-A-G-E dash AID, A-I-D. So C-A-G-E dash A-I-D, CAGE AID. It's a form that was developed several years ago to help uh, identify whether a person truly is an alcoholic or drug addict. It applies to both. If And you'll see that it's going to basically have four questions. It's going to generally go like this. The C question is, have you ever felt you should cut back on your drinking. The second question is, have you ever felt annoyed about what other people say about your drinking? The third is, have you ever felt guilty about your drinking? And the fourth is, have you ever needed a drink for an eye opener? Now, you can probably answer some of those questions just by observation. The interesting thing is, on the cage, two yes answers indicate a 74% chance of being an alcoholic. Now, Hmm. Do you think he's ever felt like he should cut back on his drinking? 
Has he ever gotten annoyed about what you said about his drinking? Has he ever felt guilty about his drinking? Has he ever needed a drink in the morning to get going? Any of those get a yes, as far as you know? Uh, yes, uh, definitely, you know, my annoyance. The thing is, is he's never had a drink in the morning. He's got, you know, a very good job. He's never missed a day of work, you know, that kind That's of good. thing. But but right. at the same time, I don't know if mm-hmm. he's felt guilty or if it's me making him feel guilty. But, I mean, I definitely, right. definitely people have, me, anyways, have spoken to him about drinking. So Right. Any two yes answers, any two of those yes give a 74% chance. Now, it, it doesn't mean that just those indicate whether there's an alcoholic or not. There's other tests as well. Have you listened to the podcast we did about the definitive guide to boundaries by any chance? Have you ever listened to that one? I, I did listen to it, yes. Okay. I'm going to recommend that you go listen to that again because it doesn't talk just okay. about boundaries. It talks about criteria as well. Boundaries are things that you have to stop doing. Criteria are things you have to start doing. I'm, I'm glad that the limerence is on the side where he's feeling anger toward her. That's a good thing. I'm glad that when you confronted him a couple of nights ago, the reaction was, I need to straighten up. We need to make this right. Those are good things. Now, obviously, you've still got some issues you've got to work through, but those are good signs. So I recommend you go over to iTunes, uh, subscribe free to Marriage Radio with Joe Beam, or you can look for it on Blog Talk Radio. You can look for it there and find the definitive guide to bend uh, boundaries and listen to those again, you're, you're actually, it sounds to me like you're headed in a good direction and you've got a good possibility of salvaging this right now and actually making it good again. But it, it, my suggestion is while it's headed in the right direction for the last two days, do something now to, to get this to where it needs to go because uh, you don't want her to turn back and go the other direction. But I'm encouraged by the fact that when you made that threat two nights ago, he straightened up. So good for you. If, if you really want to salvage this, now is the time to act. But I would definitely recommend the, the, the podcast on the Definitive Guide to Boundaries very much. I think that's a place to start right there. I'll do that, Joe. Thanks. You're very welcome. Hey, I, I hope this turns out good. It's I'm encouraged by what's happened in the last two days. Good for you. Okay? Okay. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're encouraged. It gives me encouragement because I haven't been through this as many times as you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I understand. Thank you. All right. We're going to area code 414. Hello, four, uh, area code 414. You're on the Joe Beam Show. Hi. Good evening. Hello. Can I get a first name? Sure. It's Jack. Okay. How can I help you this evening? Well, um, I guess uh, I'm just calling in because I'm hoping uh, maybe my situation, um, you know, some other people are going through it, and uh, I'm hoping that um, they can relate to it and maybe get some advice from you as well. But um, what I've been going through is about a year ago, my wife kind of opened up to me that she is attracted to women. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, ever since then, it's just kind of been downhill. Um, and I guess in the, in the last, like, three to four months or so, I've uh, really been trying to educate myself um, through your show and other resources and mm-hmm. um, change some of the behavior and and some of my habits. Um, right. That, is, she, uh, is she involved? Is she involved with another woman or just attracted to women? Well, 
I think just attracted. There was somebody at work mm-hmm. that she claims she was attracted to, and um, mm-hmm. but supposedly, I, I don't really know for sure, but supposedly that person did not reciprocate. Okay. So as far as you know, so, there is no is no involvement with another person, just the fact that she admitted to you she was attracted. That's that's it so far. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, there, so there's that, and then just kind of an overall attitude of, you know, there's no way our marriage is going to survive because I like women, and um, and she, you know, if I ever bring it up, one of the things she's always saying to me is, I really wish I could find somebody else for you to replace me, and then you'd be happy. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm I'm coming back and saying to her, no, I you know I really do want to be with you, and I want our marriage right. to work out. We have um. Right. She she has two children from a previous marriage, and we also Mm -hmm. have two children of our own. Mm -hmm. I think uh, standing for my marriage is the right thing to do. I just, uh, I guess I'm just wondering with this type of situation, which is slightly different than what a lot of people might be be dealing with if I'm fighting a losing battle. Not necessarily. I mean, it is different, but it's not necessarily a losing battle. If I may ask, how old is she? No, she's 33. Okay. but And and this is the second marriage, so you know that that she is also, or at least has been, also attracted to men. I mean, she was married before, and she's married to you, right? Right, yeah. Okay. And I'm assuming, and and I realize this is kind of a personal question to ask, and feel free to say, wait a minute, we're on the Internet radio. I don't want to answer. But I'm assuming that, uh, at least in part of your marriage, that your sex life has been good. Is that a correct assumption? Yeah, that's true. You, you know, even in the last uh, year with all these problems, we're still sleeping Good. together on occasion. But the fact that she's attracted to women uh, doesn't necessarily mean that that you can't work this out. I mean, uh, I know many marriages where that either he, the husband, is attracted to other men or she, the wife, is attracted to other women. But they also love their spouse, or at least they've worked through the problem so they're now in love with their spouses. And they're actually making very good marriages and doing very well. I mean, the fact that, mm-hmm. think about it this way, uh, and, and this is going to be kind of silly, so just forgive me that it is, uh, but I'm married to my wife, Alice. I find myself attracted to other women because I'm a, I'm a man, but I never act on that. And therefore, we still have a good marriage because I don't act on my attraction to other people. Now, yes, it is a little bit different when it's same gender, without a doubt, a little bit different, but the same principle still works. So that if she's willing to work on your marriage with you at all, then it can still be a very good marriage, even if she has that attraction. Have have you guys done anything to try to develop and strengthen your love for each other? Well, I feel like I have. Um, we did go to a counselor, and um, at least from, from my perspective, it just kind of felt like, like she um, threw in the towel, you know, even before it hardly started, it just... It just feels like she reached the conclusion that this isn't going to work out. The counselor reached that conclusion? Uh, no, 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 no. This was oh, your wife did? Wife. Yeah, no, the, okay. the counselor, you know, she looked at it kind of with a skeptical eye. I think she asked a lot of good questions, yeah. but I, I kind of felt like my wife wasn't even hearing her. And so. she may not have. And there could be any number mm-hmm. of reasons for that. It doesn't necessarily mean that you guys can't work this out. There are ways to develop love. There are ways to grow in love. Uh, I hate 
for this sound like a commercial, but if you go to Amazon.com, for example, you can find my book called The Art of Falling in Love. By any chance, do you have that book? Uh, no, I don't. It's it's relatively inexpensive because it's in softback now. I mean, they sold out all the hardbacks okay. and now they have softback. So it's like 13 or $14 on Amazon. But I recommend that, if, that for your sake, that you get that book, The Art of Falling in Love. It's my book by Dr. Joe Beam. And it will give you some ideas and principles about what makes love grow and how you can do things to help increase love. I mean, the fact that she didn't um, relate to the counselor or didn't listen to the counselor or whatever, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Sometimes it just doesn't happen. And so that's a pretty mm-hmm. inexpensive resource if you want to try that, to get that book and try that. I'm just saying the fact that she's attracted to other women doesn't mean this is a, a deal breaker. It, if you can live with that, can you live with that? Well, I, I guess I can live with, with her being attracted to other women. I, I don't think I can live with her uh, right. having you know affairs with them. Yeah, but, yeah. I don't right. blame you. I understand. I just, uh, but at least so far as you know, that's not happening. So, but on the other hand, you know, she's kind of moving in a, in a direction of, I'd like to have that happen someday, and so I think we're going to be splitting up. Um, so that's kind of where things are, are moving towards. Well, um, so. I, I hope I hope that doesn't happen. I truly do. Um, the, the, I suggest that you work on developing that emotional connection and, and try not to deal with this issue per se, but just try your best to, to become that person that, first of all, is just a really good friend. She can talk to about anything. And that in that process that you, that you actually wind up deepening and developing your love. I hope and pray that you can do that. Now, that book is one resource we have for that. We have others on our website as well. Uh, we even have a 10-week course that's designed just for one spouse to help do that with the other spouse. Um, if you ever want to look into that, it's Marriage Helper, marriagehelper.com, and then slash one long word, save my marriage. I understand your pain and your agony. The things we talk about you do to make love grow would work in your situation, even if your wife is attracted to other people. And um, I'm running out of time here, but there were some other things I would ask if we had more time, things such as, is there someone in her life who's trying to influence her this way? If you know anything about that. Also, I would be asking, uh, is your wife religious at all? Um, not very much, not very much so, okay. no. Okay, so that wouldn't be a big factor here. And and the friends that she has, are her female friends, are they primarily heterosexual? Pr- uh, primarily until a few years ago. She, okay. she made friends so with a, someone in a similar situation, I guess I'd say. Okay, so she's being influenced by some other po- people possibly then? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a, a close friend, but it's it's a possible influence, yeah. Right. Well, if I, if I were in your shoes, I wouldn't give up yet. I would think, okay, situation a little different than other people, but it's the same basic principle. We need to make love grow. And by d- the first step to do that is to be that person for her where I can listen, understand, care, make it safe for her to talk to me about anything, which apparently she has at least some degree of, and by doing that to develop love more. Uh, the book will tell you a lot more about that. I, I wish I had more time. Unfortunately, I'm running out of time here. But okay. I'm, I'm saying that that situation you're describing does not mean it can't be fixed. Okay? Okay. Well, thank you very much for your help. 
Okay, you're very welcome. I promised to call uh, a person who has been emailing us out of, I think it's Switzerland, somewhere over in Europe, uh, yeah, Zurich, okay? And, and so let me answer hers very quickly. She sent it in. <laughs> it's difficult for her to call in. She said, Dear Joe, on February 23rd, I wrote you a question for the podcast. On February 25th, my husband broke up with his affair partner after living 10 days in her house. On March 7th, my husband asked for space as he felt controlled by me and rented a room to be by himself. And when he returned five days later, he was already planning to go back to the other woman. My question is, how do I deal with his ambivalence? He says that he has deep love for me, but he loves her. We spent last Saturday crying on each other's arms for three hours because of his indecision. Then we spent Sunday cuddling, and we even made love. By the way, to make his decision easier as to whom he should choose, he made a spreadsheet in Excel with my and her qualities and flaws. So in his list, he prefers a long-term uh, future with her because of a potential baby with her. I'm shocked that he reduced my person to an Excel sheet. I confronted him and he apologized and said he did it when he was angry and that the scores he gave us keeps changing all the time. Please advise me on how to better deal with his ambivalence and how to cope with that since it's draining my energy. Okay. Thank you. And God bless you all. Okay. Let me see if I can answer that very quickly as we're running out of time. First of all, I'm so sorry for your pain and your situation. Ambivalence is not unusual when a person is in limerence. And I hope that you've been to our website, Marriage Helper, Marriage Help ER, marriagehelper.com, and read about limerence and what goes on there. And understand that a person in their early stages of limerence and a person in the very late stages of limerence tends to be ambivalent. Now, I can't remember about the question you wrote a few weeks ago, so I don't have a good idea as to whether he's in early limerence or late limerence. The thing is this. You can make a decision to say that you're not going to put up with his indecision if that's what you wish to do. In other words, you can make a criteria. Okay, here's the criteria. You make a choice. I'll give you until March 15th, uh, whatever the date. I guess we're past March 15th, aren't we? <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know what day it is. But you can say you make a decision by March 21st or April 1st. Or you can do all kinds of things if you wish to do. Basically, you have one or two choices. Either you just maintain things as they are now and wait to see what he's going to do and continue to try to be that safe place and hope he makes a decision for you, or you can force a decision. Now, if you force a decision, understand that he may choose her. If he decides, if you force a decision and he decides you, then you have to set some boundaries and criteria. I hope you have listened to our uh, podcast, The Definitive Guide to Boundaries. You can find it on Blog Talk Radio. You can also find it on iTunes by subscribing free to uh, uh, Marriage Radio with Joe Beam. The thing that appears to me is that you're not going to be able to do the first, which is I'm just going to let him keep doing this until he makes a decision. You're saying it's wearing you out. It's draining your energy. It's destroying you. Well, if it's destroying you, then you are well within your rights to make him make a decision. Just understand that decision may not be the decision that you want. Again, I refer you to the program on boundaries and criteria. And if you say you've got to make a decision by this date, and if he comes back and says, yes, it's you, then you're going to have to ask things laid out right then. Okay, that means no more contact with her. And if that happens, here are the consequences. That means we're going to do some things to put our marriage back together in the right way. And that means we're going to be doing this and that you agree to that. And then you proceed, making sure that he does not do those negative things and making sure that he does meet the criteria with you. As to the Excel sheet, 
Eh, when people are in limits, they do crazy things. I'm surely understand when it hurts your feelings. I get that. But it's the kind of things people in those situations do. So based on what I'm reading here, I think I know what you're going to do. You're going to force him to make a decision. If he chooses her, then you must be able to deal with that decision if you're going to force it. Okay, we've come to our end of the time tonight. Glad to be with you. I hope that we helped. Let us know if we can do more things for you. You've got contacting us through marriagehelper.com.